Hey, it's Johanna Masca. This week on Press Advance, we are almost there, a month away from the Iowa caucuses. Republicans will choose their presidential candidate. And while many polls tell a story that might end up coming true, people still have the vote. To end the series on the Republican candidates this year, I wanted to speak with Congressman Bob Good. Bob Good represents Virginia's 5th Congressional District. He's a fiscal and social conservative. He's stated that his commitment is to continue making America the greatest nation in history. Good has been a strong supporter of President Donald Trump, but did this time around endorse Governor Ron DeSantis. I wanted to ask him about the state of the election and what to expect in January. But first, I have to have a chat with Christine Barada, our talented producer, about what it was like on the ground in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for the final sanctioned Republican debate. So we're going to flip the script on Johanna. So you were there on the ground for the debate. So tell us everything. It was interesting because, you know, you're hearing a lot in the news media about Donald Trump is sure to storm this primary process. He's going to win by a landslide. And that may be true. But when you're in a hall with Republican leaders, some who served in the Trump administration, there's not that much certainty. They don't always believe the polls. In fact, many of them are very worried about what a Trump presidency would be. There were some who worked in the administration who were saying, I don't know who would be the attorney general because they don't. They don't know what to expect. We were talking about all of the candidates and how they were doing. You know, Nikki Haley has consistently outperformed her rivals on the debate stage. And the notion of her getting the nomination Few Republicans believed that could happen for several reasons, not least of which they don't believe that she can consolidate the support of the Republican base. The fervent believers who are on board with Trump and maybe more on board with Ron DeSantis. So there's a skepticism of Nikki Haley. There's also, you know, a skepticism of whether she would be a vice presidential pick. So whether this is a, you know, vice presidential contest, you know, they really are worried, I think, in some ways would best express what they were saying to me on, you know, I think that Nikki Haley has gained some momentum specifically with a constituency they need, Republican suburban women in key areas. But How do they keep that support without alienating them if they don't pick someone like a Nikki Haley for a vice presidential candidate? So there's a lot of concern. There's not a lot of belief that this is going to, you know, go exactly as planned, although there are some who just believe Donald Trump is going to take it. And look, I started doing the math on what they need. I know there are some pundits out there saying that there's two tickets out of Iowa. I don't agree. There's one ticket out of Iowa. January 15th, we're going to find out whether Donald Trump is going to storm to this nomination. If he doesn't win Iowa, then it's game on. 
New Hampshire could be interesting. You go into all of these states in which they've actually manipulated the process in some cases to give establishment Republicans more power because they've made it harder for independents to have access to the Republican primary. And they've got states where you may have someone who, you know, a state that really supports a Nikki Haley, where you may have another state that firmly supports Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie. I mean, it could be a contest, but it has to be a contest in Iowa. And if it's not a contest in Iowa, I'm afraid Donald Trump is their nominee. So say in Iowa, Donald Trump wins number two spot. If that's not Nikki Haley or if that's not Ron DeSantis, what does that mean? Because Ron DeSantis has put a lot of capital in Iowa with Kim Reynolds. So what happens at that point? If for some reason Ron DeSantis does not come in number two, he's done. So he's done. Yeah, he should be. I mean, he has no path to nomination if he does not come in strong in Iowa. I was going to ask you, a lot of the donors have got behind Nikki Haley. And I did think actually Ron DeSantis did a lot better in this last debate. Do you think that's enough? DeSantis performed how he should have been performing the entire time. And he still, you know, he made the argument that he can get done what Trump was saying he would get done. But there's a trust gap, even in his own state, with his own constituents, believing that he will be the presidential candidate. If that gap is overcome, look, I remember South Carolinians said there was no way they were going to vote for Barack Obama. And then when we won Iowa, everything changed. So it could, if that gap is overcome in Iowa, then he stands a chance. If that gap is not overcome in Iowa, It's Donald Trump for president. We're going to know pretty soon in this election. But here are some of my predictions having been there. Okay. I have three predictions. I I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) This race is going to get uglier. It's going to get like ugly to the point I don't like it. I saw Vivek Ramaswamy going hard. By the way, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, for all who have not heard this yet, Vivek Ramaswamy two nights ago was on a conversation on Twitter spaces with Elon Musk. And while Elon Musk was speaking, he decided to pee. And it's the audio (laughs) of him peeing. (laughs) The audio of him peeing while Elon Musk is speaking. I'm super pro-human. And I mean all humans. Uh, You know, humans in America, humans in Somebody's got their thing open peeing. And everywhere else. Phone open in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Vivek. Vivek, that's that's your phone, Vivek. I'm not able to mute you. Sorry about that. So, um, well, wow, you can be a tech entrepreneur, but don't know how to use mute. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know how to mute your phone. So, <laughs> to be to be fair to Ramaswamy, his company was a biotech company, so not as much tech. But he was peeing over the tech entrepreneurs. Words. He is the TikTok candidate, so <laughs> I will tell you, he should know how to use tech. <laughs> um, but look, people didn't necessarily get this who weren't there, but there were some guests of Ramaswamy's who were designed to make other candidates nervous. And he was pretty hard on every other candidate. That's going to continue. Donald Trump also realizes he doesn't want any of them to win Iowa. So he's going to go hard. So it's going to get uglier before we know. But we will know something in January. 
we'll know whether it's race or whether it's not a race after the Iowa caucuses. And that will be very clear. If Trump has a landslide, he is going to be the Republicans nominee and they're going to get lockstep behind him, most likely. Now, here's the problem. The party will, right? There are still so many people outside of that who have put so much capital into Nikki Haley and to Ron DeSantis into a new, fresh vision. And where does that energy go? Where do those folks like the suburban women go? We don't know. So, you know, we'll know something in January. And the last thing I'll say is it was depressing for me as an American. The, it was depressing because it became this food fight where people were yelling at one another. And I was sitting there watching this food fight and watching this, like, you know, not a real discussion on, like, you know, what are, like, how do we solve the crisis of healthcare? How do we solve for people having different religious mores in this country and wanting to be respected in public school? That wasn't the conversation that too many of them were having. It was a food fight. And then I started thinking about it and I started thinking, oh my God, we may not have a presidential debate this next election. And we've come so far from, you know, the era in which George Washington didn't even want to be a member of a political party to now being so lockstep with our party that we won't even criticize them. And you know that I plan to try to be honest, to be honest always, and to listen, to listen to people who disagree with me. And I have tried to do that from the launch of this podcast, from, you know, being on News Nation. And I'm thrilled today to have Congressman Bob Good, because I remember when we first met in a launch party for News Nation's The Hill, he told me, you know, I don't think we have anything in common. And I think we do. <laughs> I think we Sounds do. Sounds like a lot of your social media people. <laughs> but you try and make sure you definitely do have things in common with everybody. We all do, right? We do. We do. And I know, you know, if he's raised three successful kids, then he's devoted as much energy to them as I have to my child. And, you know, what we want for our country in some ways may be different, but I firmly believe that we want America's flag to fly and make us proud, to make us proud that we stand for the freedoms in which individuals have the say over our future, not one person and not one party. So, you know, I think 2024 is going to be a period in time where we need to reflect on those things, um, where I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the issues, where, you know, we can figure out where are the future leaders and what are the areas that we can agree on? Because there are more things that we have in common then divide us. And in watching that debate, I thought we may not see that debate at the presidential level. And that's disheartening. But I hope that after this election, if that's the case, that we start to actually have those debates, even within the halls of Congress, 
on what is our future and stop being so involved in the personalities instead of the policy. I know this is a personality fight. We're going to see it start to play out in January. But I believe that our politics is better than this. And I'm going to try to do everything I can to be involved in that politics that's better than this moment. All right. So now into my conversation with Congressman Bob Good, who I was so grateful to have join me. Congressman Bob Good, thank you so much for joining Press Advance today. I have to ask first, what did you make of News Nation's Republican debate? Well, I didn't get to see much of it because we were in uh, session that week. So I was tied up in uh, activities here in Washington. I just saw the highlights from it. But uh, I think it's a two-person race. I believe it was a two-person race from the beginning. I think the only two acceptable choices are President Trump and Governor DeSantis, as you may know, I endorsed Governor DeSantis six months ago back in May, six, seven months ago back in May. And uh, I certainly think he was the winner from everything that I saw from that debate. Look, I do know you have uh, gone out on a limb, really, to go uh, endorse Governor DeSantis. You were early in the MAGA movement, though. What does it mean for our listeners to you when you say make America great again? Well, that used to be a bipartisan mentality that you used to not know how someone voted if they just wanted America. They believed in America first. You know, America first has somehow become a partisan term. Being patriotic has become partisan, flying a flag. And if you drive through uh, a neighborhood in Virginia and around the country and you see a flag flying, it's pretty sad if you see the American flag that you know there's probably about a 95 percent probability they vote Republican. That is a sad thing. That's a sad commentary on today. And I believe that when President Trump ran for the first time in 2016, he ran to try to fix the problems created by the Obama-Biden administration. He believes in American sovereignty, American exceptionalism, that America is the greatest country on the planet. And he wants to restore that greatness. That's why he ran, I should say, in 2016. I initially was a Ted Cruz supporter in 2015 because of his demonstrated conservative leadership. I had observed him and watched him for a period of years. And President Trump was a newcomer on the political stage. And uh, once he became the nominee, I enthusiastically supported him over Hillary Clinton. Uh, But he was a much better president than I anticipated. I just didn't know that he had those strong political instincts, those strong policy instincts to to make such a difference in a four-year period of time. And so I was uh, enthusiastically behind him in 2020 and uh, was thankful for the job that he did. I believe he was the best president of my lifetime. And I do. I actually think that Americans should be proud. I think they should show their pride with the American flag and certainly am a, a big believer myself in flying that flag. So I would agree with you there. Now, the question is, you know, how we can bring unity to this country. And it was interesting in recent reporting, Olivia Beavers is saying that she received some video of you saying that Trump might be the only person who can lose to Joe Biden if he's the nominee. If you're asking me privately, and I don't say this in public, Trump blamed pro-lifers for the election loss back in November. Ron DeSantis passed the heartbeat bill in Florida. Trump is saying we're going to need to back off on abortion. Trump did red flag laws. Ron DeSantis has done concealed carry in Florida. What can you say about those comments that have come out? Well, I think it's really pretty despicable for you and for her to take a clearly, clearly edited video 
a clearly edited video. By Is one, it edited? Clearly edited. You can, anyone, a middle schooler can watch the video and tell that it's edited, meaning it's spliced, it stops and starts, it takes away okay. my complete answers, it takes away the part where I praised President Trump, said that I was an enthusiastic supporter of him in 16 and 20, would enthusiastically support him if he was the nominee again in 24, that I believe is the best president of my lifetime. I've said that consistently and many times. So it's really unfortunate that someone would actually make a story over a, a, an edited video by one of my political challengers who has an axe to grind, has a personal agenda, and that media types would fall prey to that and perpetuate that. That's really an unfortunate, and I would say that's a lack of journalistic integrity for individuals to do that, what's clearly an edited video. I'm not secret about my endorsement of, of Ron DeSantis. No, you're I not. made it public. Yeah. I made it public back in May. Yeah. And just because I'm for Governor DeSantis doesn't mean I'm against President Trump. I know that it can feel that way when you're in the race, when someone else is endorsed. But what the answer to that question was, I don't totally out of context, the way that it's presented in the video, for me to say, hey, you know, I don't publicly criticize President Trump because I admire and support him and I don't want to harm him in any way politically. However, if somebody asks me privately to compare and contrast, why do I think DeSantis is, is, might be more conservative like I am? Why would I choose to, to, to uh, endorse him over President Trump? They want to compare and contrast on issues. And I'm going to answer the questions, of course. I, and I don't shy away from that in an interview with a reporter or in a group setting. Uh, but I think Ron DeSantis was the model governor for the country, has been. He wins a purple state by half a point in 2018. This is a state that had the hanging chads with Al Gore and George Bush. It's been purple for 20 plus years now. And then he wins it by 20 points by being bold, courageous, taking on every issue important to not just conservatives, but most Americans. You know, when most would say conventional wisdom would be, oh, if you only win by half a point in 2018, you need to be tepid and benign and vanilla and moderate, that's the key to winning again, which is not true. He inspired and motivated people and he won overwhelmingly. And, and I gave some examples of that. He's got a heartbeat bill that he's passed in, in Florida. He's done constitutional carry, tremendous legislation there. He was early in opening up his state for COVID and he's got the oldest population in the country, the state of Florida. Just take his budget. You know, he's got a budget that's half the state of New York's budget and they have the equivalent size. They spend about $5,000 per citizen from a state spending standpoint, and, and New York spends about eleven thousand dollars. You know, he, he's taken on the woke uh, universities. He's taken on ESG and DEI and CRT in the schools. You know, he's taken on transgender extreme policies in the schools. He's been a model governor. He stood up strong against the illegal immigration in his state, and so I've endorsed him because. Of, and, and what I was saying in that video, and what I've said when people ask me, I think we need eight years. That's the bottom line. I think we need eight years, and because of the persecution. The persecution of President Trump, the political persecution, the egregious abuse of power in going after him in these, these legal cases, unfortunately, when you abuse power, it's difficult to defeat that. It's difficult to overcome that. I believe he will ultimately be exonerated of these charges. I believe he'll win on appeal. However, you've got crooked, corrupt courts in Atlanta and New York that I think he may get convicted on. And so what I was saying in the video and what I've said people ask me is because of the legal baggage that he'll be carrying through the election season, polls do indicate that if he gets a conviction that some of his support does diminish. And so I'm concerned about that. And so I was making that point that he might be the only person that could lose to Joe Biden because of the political persecution. Well, and look, I think at the end of the day, you have certain things that you want to see in government. So it makes sense. You endorsed Ron DeSantis. You're saying that you would support President Trump if he wins the nomination. Enthusiastically, absolutely. Enthusiastically and absolutely without reservation. I just think Ron DeSantis is the best choice for today. And again, to me, the, the two of them are head and shoulders above the rest. 
And I do like both. And I just think, again, eight years and Ron DeSantis has a better chance to win the battleground states. It doesn't matter how far ahead we are in Alabama or Mississippi. We've got to win Michigan, Georgia. We've got to win Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Wisconsin. Those are the states that we have to win. And I just think Governor DeSantis gives us the best chance. And we're going to know very soon, right? Because right now we're, we're going to know pretty soon. This is going <laughs> to work itself out in a few weeks here, unfortunately. <laughs> January 15th, we're going to see Iowa vote. Um, Iowa, there have been a number of legislators who are endorsing Ron DeSantis, which is a little different than you would see in the polls. Are you having any private conversations where you expect a surprise January 15th? Well, Iowa is unique in a couple of ways. Uh, the strongest conservative tends to, to do well in Iowa, and I think that's Governor DeSantis, the consistent conservative across the board on the life issue, as I mentioned, on the Second Amendment issue, frankly, on federal spending you know, and, and reforming mandatory as well as discretionary spending. He was a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus, and he's a consistent conservative. So I think because of that, and because he's got the best ground game, the best grassroots uh, team there in, in, on the ground in Iowa, and Iowa, the nature of the caucus system, uh, I've never been a part of that, but as I've observed it over the years, uh, it's a little bit different than just a primary where you just sh low investment. It's, it's high investment. And uh, so I think he may do very well. And I think he needs to do very well, quite yeah. frankly. You're, you're right. I've done Iowa and it is very different caucus math. It's a whole thing. Just one last question. Obviously, the House is also up for grabs this next time around. What are you telling your constituents that the Republicans have gotten done in this Congress? Well, what I'm really telling my constituents is the same thing that I'm telling our, my House colleagues here and the leadership of the Republican conference is the way to the majority is not to compromise with the Democrats. The way to the majority is not to be careful and to be moderate and to find common ground with those who are literally trying to destroy the country. They would say trying to transform the country. The country is suffering under the policies and the spending levels of the Biden, Pelosi, Schumer regime that are still in place right now because we've done these continuing resolutions. But we can't run a year from now on having failed to cut spending when we have the House majority on having failed to secure the border or to make a difference in holding Biden and Mayorkas accountable for not securing the border. And we cannot run on failing to reform FISA, uh, the trampling on the constitutional rights of our citizens in the name of safety and security. Those are not things that we can run on. And so these next week here in December, the mid-December here, and as we uh, return from early in the year back to Washington are gonna be critical, pivotal times for us. Uh, to cut our spending, to do what we said we would do. That's the key to getting the majority. That's the key to winning the White House. That's the key to winning the Senate. Well, I'm really grateful for you. Of course, I'd like to have a longer conversation about our shared values at some point in time, but I do admire very much that you have successfully raised three grown children with a wife of 30 plus years. So uh, my hat's off to you for that. Well, thank you. Great to be with you. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you. I am very grateful to Congressman Good for joining me today on Press Advance. I know compromise is far from in vogue. Many of us believe we can make America great by going it alone, and I couldn't disagree more. But those are the very conversations that we need to have this year and going forward. To our listeners, I have so enjoyed launching Press Advance this year. I am so grateful to you for each one of you who write me, and I hope that you know that it's my commitment every day to try to listen we are going to take a little bit of a holiday break while this food fight continues. I'm not sure there's much good that we can add to the food fight and the unmuted uh, 
peeing <laughs> that we're hearing. So we'll be back the week of January 15th after the Iowa caucuses to talk about the issues that matter to Americans. I hope you have a lovely holiday until then. Press Advance is produced by Situation Room Studios with the talented team behind the scenes. And I want to thank Minor Hawk, Cole Beatty, Genevieve Fortin, Christine Verrata, Ray Hernandez, Kat Maramba, and all of our team for the hard work that they do each and every day to keep us on point. You can find Press Advance wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find me on social media at Johanna Masca to send me your thoughts. <laughs>